Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just to add to that, I'm, I'm hoping you can hear me better, but um, the um, what is kind of a in theory, it's not really what's happening in your bank account. The cash that's showing up in the banking account, all business have to operate because that's, um, and I see it's showing unstable. I'm sorry. I'm not sure what to do here. Uh, no worries. Yeah. It's weird because I, I'm not seeing a passcode. We don't know. I don't have a passcode set for the, the, uh, for the meeting. So it's, uh, it's strange that it's not letting you. Yeah, in. I, when I logged in, it asked me for the ID and all of that. And now it's saying uh, meeting passcode hmm. and I, I don't me. Yikes. Well, shucks. Well, we'll just, we'll just do the best we can here. Um, Amy, did you, uh, did you want to go? Yeah, absolutely. So Cindy, when you first start bookkeeping for your e-commerce business, I know so many people are, I made the mistake of hiring an accountant and trying to do my own bookkeeping and hiring an accountant just to do my taxes. And that totally backfired on me. I ended up having two years of tax returns be totally messed up. And my accountant now who specializes in e-commerce has fixed all of that. She more than paid for herself. Um, and, you know, I would never go without an accountant again. <laughs> um, but, you know, when you first start bookkeeping, when you first start kind of keeping track of your expenses and you're a brand new seller, what are those things that you should be keeping track of? What are those minimum things that you should be paying attention to with your bookkeeping? Um, the, the thing that I think that's really important is to understand gross margin perspective. Um, and that is looking at the revenue that you get in and what and comparing what the profitability is that's left at that gross margin level. I think that's fun. Um, so many times uh, we're looking only at product profitability. We don't think about shipping um, uh, small in comparison to what our product costs are. And we ignore those things, they can erode our gross margin. So I think that's the first thing is to get really clear about what dollars come out and make sure you're operating at at least a 30% gross margin level. And many, many times people are seeing wild month-by-month um, -month comparisons in their financials because they're not buying it for two or three months down the road. And when you operate on a cash basis for your accounting, um, you don't really see that comparison. So we like to get our clients on what we call a modif to get a true gross margin calculation. So I think that's one of the first things that people should pay attention to. Okay, I think I caught most of that. <laughs> There's 
Um, it's it's coming through really choppy. So I'm trying to, um, so you want them to pay attention to their gross margin calculation. Um, yes. And then keeping receipts, that's another big thing. I didn't know that I was supposed to keep receipts. And <laughs> when my accountant fixed all of my, um, my accounts, she was like, yeah, you need to be keeping all of your receipts. So, um, but how, what systems should sellers have in place to ensure profit? I'm, I'm trying this phone number. So just give me one. Yeah, no problem. See if this will work. <laughs> I'm going to mute. Yes, we so all want to, we all want to pick Cindy's brain and make sure that <laughs> she can give us the max value. I know we're all ready to hear from Cindy. Yeah, it's as far as I know, when, when I've called in, in the past, it, it hasn't been a passcode, but Zoom keeps update, <laughs> updating things like crazy, I think because of all the Zoom crashers and stuff that was go, that were going on. So now it's just, uh, it's getting crazy in terms of trying to keep up with, with what they're doing there. But um, right. yeah, so, oh, go ahead, so Amy. For me to keep track of receipts, I actually use Airtable. You can use QuickBooks, but I use Airtable because they have this, uh, Airtable is an online free soft, um, a spreadsheet program. And it is incredible in terms of tracking receipts because you could put the app on your phone and I just find it much easier to use than QuickBooks. So that's what I use. And then I give my accountant the access to the Airtable and she's able to check all of my receipts. Cindy, are you back with us? I think I am. Yeah, I think you are. If you can turn your um, your speaker down on your computer, because uh, we're hearing ourselves. Um, if you if you do that, I think we should be good to go. Thank you for for figuring that out, um, Amy. That's a great tip. What I've found too is anybody who's in the in the Google sphere. I don't know. People use Dropbox, Google, whatever. Uh, but Google Drive has a feature called Scan, which I use all the time now. So I just have a folder in my Google Drive, and then whenever I get a receipt, I just you know just put it out on the table and just snap a picture, and it actually like makes it into like a PDF, like like you scanned it um, automatically, which is really useful. And Marina says she uses HubDoc for keeping receipts and sharing with her accountant. Okay, nice. HubDoc, I haven't heard of that one. Yeah, lots That's of options awesome. there. Cool. And yeah, so, is... Cindy, what we were talking about um, is, is um, if we want to just kind of recap the last question. So when you first start bookkeeping, um, what are some things that you should be keeping track of besides like keeping your receipts and stuff like that? What are the numbers? Like if you were to create your own spreadsheet, what are those things that you should keep track of? Um, well, I think what you all are talking about with keeping receipts is good. If you use um, QuickBooks, I know um, Andy was talking about taking pictures and putting it in Google. You can do that directly in QuickBooks now. You can take a picture. It goes directly into your QuickBooks app. So that bypasses all of that. And what's really nice about it is that it attaches it. You can attach it to that transaction that will come through your bank feed. And it's just all connected right there together for you. So that's really nice. Um, the, um, the other thing that is important if, if you're just getting started is to be careful not to mix your personal expenses in with your business expenses, because it's real easy just to say, well, I'm going to use this credit card because I left the business one at home. Um, and you know, once or twice, it's not a big deal, but you really want to just get in the habit of always keeping your business and personal expenses separated. Um, your accountant will thank you. And if you are ever in a situation where you're audited, it is much, uh, much simpler um, 
to focus only on either the personal audit or the business audit and not open it up for everything to be considered by the IRS. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah, I know I have gotten in trouble for using. It's okay to use personal credit cards because in the beginning, when you first start your business, you're not going to have enough business credit to have business credit cards. And, you know, you might have one that you're able to get, but it's okay to use personal credit cards, but you need to only use that personal credit card for business (laughs) and not mix it between personal and business. Is that right, Cindy? That's right. You, ju- you just don't want those things all commingled together. Set, it, set aside, this is the card I'm going to use and, and designate that your business card, if you will. Um, but don't, don't put your personal expenses on it as, as well. Got it. And then in terms of um, tools that people use, you mentioned QuickBooks, but are there any other tools that we should be using for accounting? And um, really for keeping track, is it okay when you're first getting started to to put together a basic spreadsheet, should people be doing that? Is that a best practice? And what kind of tools are are most helpful for just getting started as you're scaling your business? Well, for just getting started, um, you know, there are a number of um, uh, things like Inventory Lab, um, Seller, uh, seller. I'm thinking of seller board, but I'm I'm not sure if that's in the U.S. or I was just using it with a U.K. client. But there's there's all of those um, those kind of pseudo accounting systems that will give you some data from the from Amazon because they do connect into Amazon. And I think you know that's there's a place when you're just getting started for that. Where that gets people in trouble is when they. Um, are not very carefully managing it, those systems aren't actually reconciled back to any kind of bank account, so they can give you misleading information. So I suggest people get on a system like QuickBooks or Xero as quickly as they can. Now, I know there's a cost for doing that, um, but if you, can, if you can get on those systems as quickly as you can, then you've got a real accounting system that you can hand over data to your uh, CPA. You can have confidence that if you run it right, if you do your reconciliations back to the bank, et cetera, then you can have more confidence in your number, uh, in, in your numbers, in your financials. Um, I think people have gotten into trouble using these um, apps that connect to Amazon and believing those profitability numbers. And then when we actually get them on a real accounting system, what we see is that they're not nearly as profitable as they thought they were. And, you know, I hate being in that position of delivering bad news, but it's it, now it's a cautionary tale for others, right? Um, it happens enough that uh, it's, it's just very hard to keep those systems up to date because there's no... Um, there's no reconciliation feature to ensure that you've got everything right. Right. Yeah. That's, I think it's good in the beginning just to be tracking things, but in order to make sure that over time you are are really tracking things more closely so you can see if your business is in trouble, you know, that, that is really, really important. So QuickBooks is very affordable. Um, you know, it's like $20 a month or something for QuickBooks Online. So there's really no reason that all of us can't get started with very basic accounting software and start kind of tracking those, um, those expenses and everything. So that is great, um, great 
advice there. And it's okay to start with some software in the beginning, um, you know, some Amazon software that's already giving you some data, but you should be tracking. Make sure alongside of that, that you're tracking your expenses, that you're using one card or one uh, account for business and a separate account for personal and, um, and all of that. So, I would like to know about reinvesting profits. <laughs> so during our, our audio mix up, I was talking about how I was just going over my PL statement and I am reinvesting in my business right now. I'm uh, expanding my line. So my overall number at the end of the day is negative because I've spent more on new inventory than I've gained in profits this year, which is good for my Next year's bottom line will be really beautiful, but um, but when we're talking about reinvesting profits in the business, how much profit should a business be reinvesting? Well, I think they're two different things. So when we talk about profit from the profit first perspective, we're talking about cash in the bank. We're not talking about the bottom line on a profit and loss statement. And really, in a business that is set up running a modified cash type books, you want to be set up where uh, you do have a bottom line. Now, if you're wanting to reinvest in inventory, if you're set up with books the way we recommend, that happens on your balance sheet and not your P&L. So I think we're talking about two different things here. Um, you're probably preparing your books to be used for taxes. And yes. in that situation, um, you don't really see profit from this perspective of um, how the business performed in a, um, in, in a true light about profitability. It's more from what's happening to your cash and how are you setting up for, for your tax situation. So yeah, I, I just want to be clear, there's people. different reasons we have books for different things. You know, um, you were talking about Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, that book was um, about, uh, I think his name is Keith Cunningham. And he has a great book that explains um, how you need to actually have three sets of books. <laughs> you need to have one that's for your tax person. You need to have one that you run your company. And then you need to have one that um, tells you what your cash position is. Now, I think that's overkill, quite honestly. But from a strictly, um, the way I would recommend running a business, I would want to have a set of books that operates with a modified cash type of approach. And that will show you whether or not you are truly profitable in your business. Now, then there's what happens with cash and how you may be reinvesting it in inventory, et cetera. Um, that should not show up on your profit and loss for the way I recommend you run your books. Um, and so in the way, in the world that I like to operate in, I want you to always show profits. Now, how you're investing your cash in the future, um, that you need to be able to see on your balance sheet to know that um, you've moved that cash over into inventory. It's basically cash you can't spend, right? But you have an opportunity to use that money down the road to grow your business. And that really comes down to a risk that you might be willing to take. Is, is this 
product worth investing in um, because I think it's going to pay off in the future? And um, that's a very different question than is it profitable or not? So I, I like for people to look at their books from the standpoint of they need to be profitable because you can't sustain that long term if you're not. We're, small businesses just need to operate from a, a cash positive perspective. But then on the other hand, um, how you actually deploy your assets are, is kind of a different question. Did I confuse that enough? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it makes complete sense. So you have you need to make sure that you're profitable bottom line. And then you have your books that you use for, which is what we were doing. We were going over our books for tax purposes, right? Um, and the, that final number, but not overall in terms of profitability, we need to be making sure that overall between what we're buying and we're selling that we're profitable and overall with our operating expenses and everything else. So that makes sense. So um, you should, you kind of covered that we should be covering our books. We should be having tracking our books in different ways so that we can, number one, ensure profitability. Number two, understand how we're investing and what impacts that will have in our business and not reinvesting in unprofitable products, right? We don't want to be continuing right. to reinvest. And a lot of sellers are doing that, right? A lot of sellers are reordering products that are not profitable. And that that's becomes a, a large, a, a really big problem. So in terms of barriers, you know, that sellers have come up against, um, what kinds of, of barriers are you seeing sellers um, come up against? What are the biggest things in e-commerce that sellers are struggling with? And um, what are some examples of how you've seen them overcome that? I think this idea of product profitability is, is something that... Um, easily gets out of hand. When you have just a few products, it's easy to see how you're performing. And, and when you're buying products, it's easy to, to look at it from the standpoint of it's going to be, um, it's going to be a money-making proposition. But things happen over time with how we um, advertise for that product. Uh, things change with maybe a repricer going in and pricing. So that idea of what that number is for profitability by product is fluid and people lose sight of the fact that it may change over time. And that's another area where um, when they're using like these third party apps to track profitability and they go in and they set this was my cost, but then they fail to, to add what the costs were when the products went up the next time they ordered or they failed to factor in what the advertising costs were. And over time, they lose that, that there's a big disconnect between what's really happening and what they, what data they put in the system. So a, an accounting system that's reconciled back forces you to fix those kinds of issues because um, something is going to not tie out if you, if you go to reconcile and you're not paying attention to those numbers. So, so those are the kinds of things that I see. Um, also, when people start to have more and more products, they lose sight over how the entire product line or their whole portfolio might be performing. So when they lose sight of um, the fact that their best-selling item is actually very low margin, it can really skew their profitability. 
So we like for people to, if they've got a number of products, we like for them to investigate, um, look at the top 20% of your sellers and see if you're still profitable for those top 20%. And then maybe look at the bottom 20%. Is there something you can do there to either knock those things off because they're just tying up your cash or maybe you need to do something to beef up their sales because you've got good margin. And so when you have a lot of products, it's hard to look at every one. But if you'll pick your, you know, that 80-20 rule, pick the top 20 or the bottom 20 and try to understand what's going on there, it's likely there's where you're going to have the biggest um, impact on your um profitability, the ones in the middle are, are probably not going to be swinging you as much as, as the top and the, and the bottom of those numbers. Yeah, that, those are all great points. As you were uh, talking about that, Cindy, I literally wrote into my little doc here, you know, 80-20 focus on the winners. And um, I, you know, I can personally attest to this, right? Because uh, Amy always jokes about me at, at the peak, I think I had close to 900 SKUs. Um, and you know, I started in 2011, I think, or 2012, kind of right around there. And so, you know, I just, I, back then I was just gung ho and my goal was like to add a product a week, which is crazy, but I did it. I mean, I just, I just knuckled down and reinvested like crazy. And I think that's why I scaled and grew my business so quickly. But, uh, like you said, I, it got to the point where like trying to manage it. I mean, even today, trying to manage the, the catalog of, you know, some of this old, old inventory and stuff that we have that we're just trying to get rid of at this point it's just terrible. I mean, my, my wife and I, uh, who's, you know, she started as my business partner. Now she's kind of like written herself out, uh, cause she's doing real estate now. Um, and we're really, you know, that's kind of our, our other thing that we're doing right now. But, um, going back, you know, we were talking last night is it's like, you know, at what point do we just say, you know what, the energy to like, keep selling this stuff is just not worth it. The profit is, you know, not enough to, it's like you, your, your time is money, right? Your energy is money. So if you just cut, all that stuff out and just go for your winners and just really concentrate on those winners, really get brand awareness, really get, you know, just refine that product, make it better. I mean, Amy's been doing this for her product, which is great. You know, keep the catalog small. Um, I mean, no, to me, it's, if you can find stuff that's as closely, closely related to your main product, absolutely. Because then they complement each other. Right. And then selling that kind of uh, complimentary product won't be very hard because it's part of your main focus, which is, you know, those winner winners. So, um, I absolutely think that, that, you know, that's excellent advice and, and something that, you know, like I said, I, it took me a while to learn and, and, you know, I'm, I'm learning more every day in terms of, you know, really, uh, doubling down on what's working now. Cindy, well, and oh, and added, added to that, Andy, you know, um, you were talking about how it ties up your energy. It, it ties up your cash too. Yeah. And, you know, when you've got cash tied up in things that aren't really performing, um, then that keeps you from investing in the things that are. And I see that over and over with clients. They are, they're like, well, I'll sell a few of these a, a month. And I'm like, well, but you're look at the money. And some, and sometimes they're really big high cost items. I'm like, your cash could go to buy, you know, 50 of these smaller things that you have way more margins on that turn over. This cash is just sitting here, not being, not working for you. So um, and you've got the energy to think about, okay, what's going on with the pricing and what, what's going on with the advertising and you spend time managing something that the, your return is just very small. So between the, the energy and the, the dollars, it really is a sink for, um, for resources. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely, you know, you're, you're still marketing those old products. You're still, you know, what we're doing right now is when we run out of something, you know, that's not in the, not in the top 20, we just let it die. You know, we just, we don't, we don't reorder, even if it's making us a little bit of money because, you know, time is money, focus is money, all that energy is money. So, you know, we're, we're doing that. So, um, good deal. Yeah. On that same point, um, in terms of, uh, seasonality we're you know, we're, we're into to, to Q4 now. Um, it, it's, it, it's going to be an interesting Q4 because we've got so, you know, these crazy dynamics going on, right? We have, you know, ordering online is, is, is gone up a ton, but then we have this election coming up there. There could be some, you know, a lot of unrest where people are not shopping on Amazon because they're worried about, you know, getting their TP and their, and their, uh, um, their paper towels, you know, so it's, it's going to be a really interesting Q4, um, you know, any tips in terms of, you know, being strategic, uh, when it comes to, to, you know, spending money in Q4, uh, for your business? Well, I, my tips are mostly around how to keep money, not spending money. So that's my, <laughs> my theme. All right. Um, what what I see happen in Q4 is big influxes of cash for our businesses. And let's hope that's what we see this year with, with all these dynamics. We don't know. But I do anticipate from what we're seeing since March on that that things will continue to increase with, with sales. Um, so with that in mind, what happens is those those big uh, cash influxes come in and we, we get back in that um, Parkinson's law mode where we see, I've got a lot of cash. What am I going to do with it? And my recommendation is look at what your operating expenses are month by month. I mean, you should be able to go back the last four or five months and see that you're spending, you know, $1,500, $2,500, whatever it is, and know that that's kind of your monthly um, base. When your bank account has that much money in it for operating expenses, then I say take the rest of it and put it in a profit account. You want to get it out of there because the tendency is when that operating expense account starts to grow, you start thinking of other ways you're going to spend that money. So I want people not worrying about how they're going to spend that money. I want them thinking about, I'm just going to keep Q4 steady. All this money that comes in, I'm going to move into that savings account. I'm going to continue to do the, um, you know, putting money in the inventory account like I've been doing. But the anything in excess that comes in that operations um, account, I'm going to put in a, in this profit account. And then after the dust has settled and we're looking in January to see how things really are, then you can look at what that balance is and and make a strategic plan for how you're going to put that money to work. Um, you probably want to check in with your CPA. If you're showing a profit in your business, then part of that money needs to be set aside so that you're ready for taxes in April. Um, part of it may be that you're ready to, to launch a new product, or maybe you want to set aside more money for advertising this year. But it's the perfect time to sit, sit down with that extra cash that you have from Q4 and figure out the best use of that money. And I guarantee you, because I've seen it over and over again, if it's just left in that operating account, it will be frittered away and you won't know where it went. But if you determine this is what my monthly base is, I'm going to keep that balance in that account. I mean, you don't even have to do a whole lot of math. You can just say, it's, I need $2,500 in this checking account. 
when I'm over that, I move the any amount over into my savings account. And you just do that for the whole rest of this year. And then in January, um, as the dust is settled, you can look at what you have left and think, okay, now how am I going to use this money for my best use in my business? And and don't forget taxes because that'll oh. be coming up soon. Oh, Cindy, so I so you're saying I can't go out and buy my Lambo and my beach house in Hawaii. I'm uh, that's disappointing. That's that's very disappointing that I can't just. <laughs> Raid my business, <laughs> not keep it healthy, and buy my beach house. No, those, that's all. I'm that's probably such... not going to get invited back ever again, right? <laughs> no, you absolutely are because you're speaking the truth, and that you know that rule. I, I mean, you know, like I said, I, I from personal experience, I that's absolutely the case. One of the things I've been doing to trick myself into not spending, you know, more money, even in my personal life, I raid my I raid my own account, right? So I, I get like you know, whether it's like Wealthfront or Robinhood or like one of those apps, uh, Acorn. And I just every, you know, I just have a recurring uh, draw from it, you know, all the time. I think, you know, I think it's on every two weeks now. And it's awesome because, you know, I'll put it in there and I'll forget about it. And then at the end of the year, you know, I've got that that little backup money or if there's an emergency or whatever. Um, You know, so I, I think that that's absolutely right. And that's why I love the kind of bucketing of funds, right? Because if you, if you put that, those funds like for taxes uh to the side you're not going to spend those because you're you know like hey i i'm gonna have to pay this it's not you know it's like paying your bill early right you know you're not gonna have to worry about it now at the end of the year because you've already set it aside so you know i absolutely think that that's the way to go to, to you know keep your your business um healthy so on that note anything else you know really um that you would, you know, give advice to for, for new sellers. Uh, you know, maybe this is their first time in Q4. They're, they're, they're really picking up steam. They're, they're starting to make a lot of money, you know, any tips on, you know, where they should be, uh, you know, setting that stuff aside, anything else they should be doing, uh, to, you know, keep their business healthy. I think this Q4 is, um, is unusual. So I don't, I don't have a crystal ball that works, um, for this year. Um, I I do know that what I've seen happen in the past is, um, people are, uh, really aggressive about what they think, uh, they can do in terms of getting products into Amazon by certain dates. And, um, I've seen it backfire a number of times. Uh, and I suspect this year the risk of that happening is even greater uh, as Amazon's warehouses are just um, being bombarded with product. And I mean, even they are ramping up down how much they're going to allow people to send. So I think just develop a plan, work your plan. Don't get caught up in the hysteria of if I could just get more product there um, and and try to, to um just be super aggressive at getting product in there. I, I think this year that is a risky um, proposition. Um, in addition to that, I think being very careful about the money that you do earn, putting it in that extra account, like we've talked about, uh, you know, the only thing worse than not having money to, you know, than paying taxes is having to borrow money to pay taxes. And, you know, so take take January to kind of get your feet under you, maybe sit down and talk with your CPA and say, this is kind of what my numbers are looking like and um, and get a good read from them before you get too aggressive with buying your beach house in Hawaii. Oh, all right, fine. Um, that, that That's actually great advice, though, Cindy, um, you know, in terms of uh, stock to Amazon. So, you know, we've been we've been sending uh, some stock to Amazon. And what we've noticed is, and this is, you know, my experience, so this will not be, you know, 
probably exactly for everybody. But what I've what we've noticed is is that if we go to New Jersey, which is generally the largest fulfillment center, um, so generally if you're sending like large large amounts, uh, you know LTL, you know, or a, a ton of of units that they normally just have you send them all to Jersey. And normally we love that because we save on shipping, right? We go, oh, we only have to ship once, and it's much easier logistically and all that. But what we've been finding this year is that if you split that shipment up. And you, you know, the, and you can do that by, if you've never done the, the FBA shipment flow, um, you guys can, you know, you just change the numbers of boxes that you're sending, right? Cartons. So, you know, if you've got 20 units in a carton and you're sending five cartons and say, oh, go all to New Jersey, you change that to like three and then it'll say, oh, one, send one to California, send one to Texas and one to Jersey. Now, one, like I said, in the past, I used to hate that because then I'd have to do extra work. But this year it actually seems to work better because, you've got three fulfillment centers now. And depending when that, those products hit that fulfillment center, it might get checked in in California and Texas and not Jersey or vice versa. But you kind of have, I've noticed like more of a chance to actually get product into FBA. Uh, so just something to, to mention on that uh, on that note, uh, Cindy, I wanted to add to that because you, you that was such great advice there. Um, we always like to ask this and, you know, you, but I'm going to, I'm going to have to put a caveat here, Cindy, because we're going to exclude Mike McCallowitz, Mike McCallowitz's books, because <laughs> he, we already talk about him pretty much every episode. You know, he, I think he, he should write me a check, uh, Amy and I, a check at the end of the year <laughs> and same thing with Robert Kiyosaki. Cause you know, I, I'm pretty sure that we've sold them quite a few books, Dang. uh, besides, <laughs> Bold. yeah, but besides, besides that, no, I, I'm totally kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, but besides that, any other, uh, you know, books or podcasts, I would, I want to be selfish here, Cindy, because once again, like I said, I am terrible with numbers. Like my wife and I keep thinking about like, you know, maybe we're going to go to like Boise state here and, and like take a class or, you know, do something like maybe I'll get my MBA, but uh, you know, my numbers, numbers is my kryptonite. So for me, you know, past profit first, um, which maybe I should just read profit first again. I've been thinking about doing that anyway, but anything else that you can, uh, you know, that, that you can recommend for people to really get a, a handle on their, on their personal and business financing. I really like, let me just grab this book and I'll show it to you. I really like this book and it's the one I was referring to earlier by, uh -huh. um, it's, it's Keith Cunningham. Uh-huh. Um, let's see right there. There we go. Yep. <laughs> it is the book that, um, this moves different than I think. This, um, <laughs> this is the, the book by, um, by Keith Cunningham, the guy that uh, that is the rich dad in the Kiyosaki book. Oh. So I think that book does a, and he's got several, so you might find another one. But I really love the way he lays out how finances work in business in this book. So um, you know, you can you can um, you can read that book and save yourself a lot of time and, and headache with trying to go back to school. And um, because I, honestly, I think he explains it just brilliantly. Awesome. Um, so that, that's, that's one of my favorites that I like to recommend to my clients. Perfect. I, I I'm surprised that, you know, I haven't heard of it. I, that's, that's crazy. Um, because I'm usually really seeking out those types of books. So great recommendation. Thank you. It's definitely going to get mm -hmm. added to my, uh, my audible list. Um, all right. So Cindy, now this is where we, we get to, we get to let you gratuitously plug anything you want. So let people know where they can find you, your website, uh, your book, all that great stuff. Okay. Um, I'm at, um, bookskeep.com, B-O-O-K-S-K-E-E-P.com. And, um, one of the things that might be of interest at, as you're talking about newer sellers, we do have a program called smart start. 
And basically what we do is go in and create an accounting system for our um, new you know, new sellers, uh, we get the chart of account worked out. We get um, the mapping to A2X, which is the integration that we like that goes between Amazon and QuickBooks or Xero. Um, with that uh, service, we set that all up, and then we do three classes where we do hand-holding with uh, the seller to connect their bank accounts where we show them how to do it. We show them how to do their reconciliations, the coding, all of that kind of thing. So that by the end of those three calls, they're able to go off and do their accounting by themselves. And should they run into something that they have trouble with, we have a monthly huddle where they can come and ask their questions. They can send email questions anytime, but if they want somebody to sit down with them and go over what they're doing, they can come to the monthly huddle. So for new sellers, I think it's a great way to get started. We can also provide QuickBooks online at our wholesale rate, which gives people a little bit of break in the subscription. So um, so that might be of use to those people that are just getting started. Awesome. Will you, will you set up my bank accounts for me too, Cindy? Like if they're already there, you'll like, you know, work with me on how to like yeah, separate. connect them into QuickBooks. Yeah, well, and like separate it out, you know, like do the profit first, you know, like, you know, percentages and all that. Do you help with that as well? We do. Now, that is not through the Smart Start program. That okay. is through um, our Profit First services. And we do that um, with, we won't actually set the accounts up unless you're working in something like a relay bank, mm -hmm. where they have a permission for us as a um, accountant to go in and do, do those kinds of activities. But we can't transfer money out of your bank. Right, and right, right. So as as a, a firm owner, I don't want that kind of liability. Right. But for, for something like a relay bank, it works really well because we can go in and actually do the profit first for our clients and they don't have to, to go in and do the transfers. Perfect. Awesome. And uh, the other thing that Cindy's not mentioning, which I know about is uh, they have an awesome newsletter. I signed up for it a couple months ago mm -hmm. and there's, there's great tips in there and stuff. Uh, they have some great uh, guest posts and things like that. Um, so yeah, check that out, guys. It's, I uh, would it's, agree. I, yeah. I was going to mention that earlier. I love your uh, your blog posts and everything. It's it's awesome. I always read them. They're always super valuable in my inbox, and I get great tips from you. So thank you for that, Cindy. Yeah. Oh, that's great feedback. We we never hear, so I'm, I am glad to hear that. Thank you. I, the reason I knew it, I, I remembered too, though, is I think I got one this morning. Uh, so I was like, oh, yeah. this is perfect timing. <laughs> and it was good information. They come out on Tuesdays. Yeah, there we go. Perfect. All right, Cindy, thank you so much. Thank you, everybody who joined us live. You guys really love having you guys in the audience here. Um, if you guys don't know, when you join us live in the uh, Zoom call, we stop the recording, we stop the live uh, stream, and you guys get to just kind of have a little meeting here at the end. Um, you know, we ask the guests to say, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But if they don't, we're, you know, usually pretty skilled at, at being able to help you guys. But, uh, you know, you're not paying our, our expensive hourly coaching rate. So if you guys want to join us live, sellaroundtable.com forward slash live. Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific time. If you haven't yet, we really, really appreciate you guys subscribing, rating, sharing, all that good stuff. Um, I know you guys hear it all the time on, on uh, you know, every podcast and YouTube video and things that that uh, you watch. But the really the reason is, is, you know, we're, we're not charging for this. And, and so really, that's, you know, our, our kind of what we get out of it is, is to help as many people as possible. And you can help us uh, with that effort. So that's we really appreciate that, guys. And we'll see you next time on the Seller Roundtable. Thank you guys so much for joining us.
Thanks for tuning in. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at sellerroundtable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, sellerseo.com and amazingathome.com.